0: Hello, FPL managers, welcome to the 14th episode of the FPL Optimized podcast, number 14, a special number in the Netherlands, as it used to be the shirt number of Johan Cruyff, and even today it is still a popular number. In fact, I used to have number 14 on my shirt as well in my younger days, but that's another story. So today we're here to talk about FPL again, of course, and we're very happy and excited that we made it to episode 14 already and that we keep getting good feedback from you, our listeners. Many thanks for that. We aim to give you weekly updates in our podcast in which we combine analytics with the good old iTest. I am Bas, the casual manager, and my co-host is SirTop, the data scientist. Data or grass or data and grass? That's the question. So what can you expect from us today? Uh, Similar to last week, we'll briefly talk about our own teams and plans, but we'll keep that part short as we mainly want to zoom in to some of the main questions FPL managers are being confronted with at the moment. And we will provide the analytics perspective on those questions. Thanks for all the questions that came in via Twitter. We'll certainly answer many of those today as well. One thing that we'll certainly be discussing is the optimal squad and formation to see if anything changed based on the two weeks' worth of data which we can now use. As you might remember from a few episodes ago, Certop Solver was recommending a big at-the-back strategy, but with many attackers scoring goals during the first two game weeks, I wonder if the Solver changed its mind already. So let's see later. But before we do that, SirTop, let's hear from you. How are you doing and how did your team perform in game week two? Thank you, Bas. I'm doing well.
1: It was a good game week, although many analytics players did pretty well in this game week too. I finished with seventy six points and even though ranks are not important at this stage of the season, I jumped from one point mm-hmm. five million overall rank to four hundred and eighty thousand. So almost uh, a jump over one million players, which is nice. And it's a good place to be. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um so but so the dif- point difference between ranks is pretty small. So I-, I think ranks will change very rapidly in the first few weeks still. Um, and so this game week, top three players that brought me the biggest gains uh, were uh, Lu- Luis Diaz brought 7.2 points against the field. So this is kind of the expected, uh, sorry, this is the realized gain. Out of his nine points, I was able to keep 7.2 in a way because of his ownership. And Can- Canceler brought 6 points out of 11 points he got. And Martinelli gave me 5.8 out of 8 points he got. So here yeah, compared to top managers by historical finishes. So I have a prime sample on Uh Diaz is again the top player. But besides him I also r- got points from Ederson. And strange is even though he got only 2 points. He was one of my biggest gain as well. So, I mean, it seems like my team did pretty much what's expected on average. But field didn't do well. So the average player did worse than they were projected. So especially Robertson and Bailey helped me a lot. And also lots of people benched
0: James, which was right. yeah very good for me. How about you, boss? Well, it sounds like you're talking about me there because I have Robertson (laughs) and Bailey and I chose Bailey over James, which, of course, I regret (laughs) now. (laughs) So, yeah, what can I say? Uh, I worried the whole week about not having Haaland, but I kind of forgot to worry about not having uh, Jesus. (laughs) And he's the one that really hurt me with his huge ownership. But, okay, you know, on the positive side, I'm quite happy and uh, maybe also proud even that I could resist the pressure to swap Kane for Haaland because... Yeah, literally every content creator was saying, you know, just do it. Just make uh, make this change. But I kept believing Kane. And even though I had to wait until the 96th minute or something like that to be proven right, uh, yeah, it was worth it. And, and what a game that was, right? Chelsea against Spurs. Did you see it as well? Yeah,
1: I watched the game. It was quite interesting. I'm surprised that they didn't call the foul before the corner kick at the end. Yeah. But it was yeah. interesting for sure. It's also quite find that Kane got more points than Haaland obviously mm-hmm. you know there are certain probabilities associated with these things happening but i just love how it happened like Haaland got more points <laughs> in game week 1 although Kane had a better yeah. fixture and the exact yeah. opposite has happened in game week 2 it's just you know FPL. Yeah.
0: and it shows how difficult it is to predict huh? yeah um, and it's also in indeed strange that the VAR didn't see the hair pulling that went on before the goal because I think it was clearly visible on, on TV. But, well, that yeah. well, happens. So, yeah, I was happy with the Kane goal. But on the other hand, you know, I don't think it, it's right to say I made the right decision just based on the single game week. Of course, we need to also look at the next game weeks and then compare how Kane and Haaland do over a, a longer period of time. But well, I did survive game week two in that sense, <laughs> Congratulations. Um, as, as, I think, <laughs> as I think many people expected Haaland to haul. They also had him as as, caption, uh, as captain. Um, but, you know, with Wolves and Forrest now coming up for Spurs and with Kane having scored his first goal, proving that he can score in August, which I think many, <laughs> many people wondered about. Uh, yeah, I think I can look ahead positively, at least with regards to Kane. But as I mentioned, overall, my game week wasn't that good, I just had 49 points, Uh, not having Jesus hurt me a lot, and I also had too many blanks from other players, like the Liverpool guys, Kulusevski, Ramsdale, and others. Plus on top, as I already said, I made the mistake of starting Bailey over James, missing out on his 7 points. So... I'll have to take it on the chin, as they say, Mm -hmm. and move onwards from here. And I hope the data can point me into some good directions. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the first question, which is about the data you are using and how it's changing, if it's changing at all. Uh, For example, we had a question on Twitter from uh, Horder Fay, if I pronounced that correctly. And uh, he or she asked uh, how we really know now after two weeks of actual data or how much we know now sorry after two weeks of data and how much we can also trust it and a similar question was from emma also on twitter who asked if there's anything surprising to be seen if we compare the actual data versus what was estimated so i think that's a good question to start with as it's more general about the data Uh, and again it helps to to make sure we all have a good understanding before we go into more details uh, later on so, yeah, over to you, Top.
1: Yeah, that's the million-dollar question, right, about what we know and what we can <laughs> trust. So, the good yeah. thing is models are not using only two weeks of data. I mean, it's obviously, they have included those, but we have yeah. a baseline for all the players, and we use their historical information, like... For Jesus, as an example, models were expecting him to get lots of points, which he eventually did. You can certainly trust your yeah. eye test, but yeah, don't forget to check underlying numbers for players. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. was a follow-up question. I mean, I can watch a shot and think it was a good one, but if the position is mm-hmm. poor, and if the player is having repeated attempts from the same position, it won't probably bring too much returns in future, because expected goals is a better indicator of future goals so i mean mm-hmm. use your eye test sure but supported the numbers at least yeah going back to what do we really know question there were a few players with unclear minute predictions like uh, perisic so going forward the minute predictions will be much more accurate because now we know which players every manager is preferring even though like some o- some of them are still experimenting with it So I was staying away from players with low minute expectations, like high-risk, high-reward players, say like Mahrez. But distinction between players with high predicted minutes and low ones will be more clear going forward. Two game weeks of information is very valuable, and Emma, uh, it's jump the wave on Twitter, actually runs uh, polls among fans of each team to get a better idea on the starting lineup probabilities, which is like. Extremely valuable, so I usually check those and I adjust my expected minutes uh, values based on those uh, polls, and that helps me a lot. Just just wanted to mention that. But so what we have learned in two game weeks, I mean, just a few things, not not a lot, but I will summarize a few of those. um Ericsson's projected minutes jump from uh, like twenty thirty band to sixty five now. Uh, however, all Manchester United player projections, and I'm talking about points per 90 minutes, falling significantly uh, because of their loss against uh, Brantford obviously, and seems like um, there are still issues with the team. I see that Ericsson, Dalit, Maguire, mm-hmm. and Shaw all going down in terms of projected points per 90 minutes, which was part of yeah. the reason for a significant number of people selling United players and their uh-huh. prices are yeah, falling sharply. Yeah. Uh, I
0: think it's a team uh, to avoid at the moment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I will also,
1: sure. yeah, I will also talk about the team projections. And the second player I want to talk about is Emerson Royal. And his yeah. minute projections were around 10 for a long time uh, before okay. the season has started. And it was yeah. around 20-30. And now finally he reached at 60 uh, projected minutes. and because he got he played 86 minutes in game week one and 81 minutes in the game in game week two so it looks pretty good for him going forward
0: Um, uh still difficult to say after two game weeks but i think it's interesting to see how the data or the model is uh, adjusting to let's say what we what we have seen in in reality Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, exactly so yeah, some of these
1: players, if their projections, like projected minutes, were low to begin with, it indicates that there is some kind of competition for that position. And yeah, so it is important to understand that if you trust that he will keep playing, I mean, over 60 minutes for Tottenham, which has a good defense in general, is pretty good. Yeah. And so the other player I want to talk about is Gündoğan. Uh Gundaman's both minutes and projected points are increasing nicely. Point estimation was around one point five and two. And I'm talking about game week three points by the way. And for a while and it's constantly increasing since last week. So currently projected at three point three points. A potentially very good option if you know people yeah. are looking for
0: different options. Yeah, I see him being mentioned a lot. It seems that Bernardo Silva could move to Barcelona and then, uh, well, Gundogan's position is quite secured. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if that happens, indeed, it would, I would be interested as well. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was very nice to see that Bernardo Silva's points and minutes mainly, but minutes were going down and then Gundogan's was going up, which is yeah, a nice thing to see in a model. And probably, and Martin won't like this, <laughs> but Salah's points per ninety minute value is going up. It was around six when we started the season. For and I'm still talking about the game victory predictions, and currently it is close to eight. And so this is not only because of Salah, but it's partly due to decreasing team rating of Manchester United. Because we see a similar behavior in Luis Diaz projected points too. It was around 5 at the beginning of the season. And it's around 6 now. And also Darwin is out. So it's another good... um, Another reason for uh, these players to go higher. And Solanke, another pick that has been discussed. A lot is going down in point estimations, and it was mostly in the range between three to three point five, and as high as three point seven at one point. But now, uh, around game two, his predicted minutes dropping from eighty to fifty due to injury. So yeah, his projected points are around two right now, but it can go even lower if the injury is longer. And one other player that we can discuss is Loherty. <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, but... His predicted minutes went from 65 to 30 in a span of few days, since he only played 3 minutes in the first two fixtures. So, a player with pretty solid points per 90 minutes, but has... But, yeah, he. there are doubts about his minutes. So, he's currently 4.9 million, if I checked correctly. So he might be an option later if he starts getting his minutes back. He's a good example yeah. of what we have learned in the first two game weeks because, yeah, that drop is very visible in the data. Right.
0: Yeah, that was maybe not expected. I think he was expected to start in in the Spurs lineup for game week one, but he didn't, and he also didn't start in game week two. Mm-hmm. And I think people are wondering the same about Perisic when huh? when he yeah. will come in. Uh, so far, he made a good impression when he came in against Chelsea. But it's not not sure if that means that he will start next time, of course.
1: Yeah, I was trying to follow what Conte was saying about research. Yeah. And yes, he's still adopted, it looks like. We will see. Yeah,
0: I, I think so too, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And as my last point, I want to talk about team projected points. So what I have done is I checked uh, Game Week 3 uh, total points for every team. So that, that point, I mean, should be. Somehow uh, constant over time. If there is nothing, nothing is changing about the team itself. So, but however, as we get closer, obviously players with you know better players, their predicted minutes go up, so that points are supposedly go a little bit higher. But when we look at the data, so we we see that Manchester United their point sum is decreased by three point nine. So they have the highest yet yeah, drop. While Liverpool is now up by 3.7. So, I mean, this is because clearly that model is now rating Manchester United lower than it used to be. So that in two game weeks, we learned that Manchester, is, Manchester United was a little bit overestimated at the beginning of the season. And similarly, Aston Villa's sum dropped 2.9. While their opponent this game week, Crystal Palace, is 1.3 points higher now. Uh, they Yeah, they had a good game and se- seems like models have lost some confidence in United as I have mentioned and gained some on Chelsea though. Their sum is 2.4 points higher and Wolves are 1.5 points higher and uh, their, yeah, their rival Tottenham is 0.7 lower. So I mean this means Tottenham is probably doing roughly as expected by the model. But probably Vols is doing better than we originally expected. So it's pretty okay. nice to see how these values change.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, you know, thanks for sharing all that information. Um, it's, it's interesting to understand how it all works. And yeah, of course, it starts with the data. Without data, your model couldn't work and probably you wouldn't have a team, right? <laughs> True. <laughs> So it was good to get some more insights on this again. Um, And as I said, it's really interesting how all the data is constantly being updated. So let's now make things a bit more specific and let's start talking about optimal formation first, Uh, because in the preseason you mentioned that the Solver preferred a big at the back strategy, including a premium goalkeeper. And during the first two game weeks, we have seen quite many attackers scoring goals. So at first sight, I think this could be an indication that in this season, the attackers could play a bigger role than what we saw last season. Um, Do you see any of this already in the data as well? And what kind of formation is currently being favored by the solver? So sometimes it's a
1: little bit difficult to talk in terms of formations, but I have run the model and as if I'm using a wildcard right now to see what the optimal formation will be. Currently, it favors a 4-4-2 formation. If I don't schedule any transfers until game week nine, which I assume when I will be using my wildcard, and so it still goes for the premium goalkeeper Ederson, and also two City defenders uh, Cancelo and Diaz. So it's just you know triple City defense, which many people would consider a crazy idea, I guess. Um, so main change from beginning of the season is now model wants to bring Saka and Luis Diaz together so so that it drops the fifth defender to to fund him and also drops Holland or Kane you know premium forward for it because so the main thing is Mitrovic seems to be doing well i mean <laughs> obviously last game week was a little bit unfortunate but he was a, he was so close to getting the, that penalty goal right so now data and then Solver thinks that forward line could be just Mitrovic and uh, Jesus and it's very interesting and of course there is some noise in data so this is not the optimal but it's optimal using raw data because we had you know big discussions about it. Yeah I mean Solver still insists triple city defense which I had to write a specific rule to prevent at the beginning of the season that's still happening so yeah, I think prediction models are more confident in City's defensive defense. points. Yeah, than yeah. The forwards looks like.
0: Yeah, but well, I guess also compared to other teams, it seems the City defense is just more reliable. Yeah. So it's also looking at that. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it's good food for thought. And as you said, uh, Mitrovic, I uh, think many people have him as an option, uh, even though he missed the penalty. Um, but he did make a good start to the season, nonetheless. I think I know some people that actually changed uh, Jesus and got Mitro, so that was quite bad, of course. You missed uh, the Jesus hole and you got the Mitrovic penalty miss, but yeah, Yeah. it's all in the game. (laughs) It can happen. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it's interesting that you're mentioning Saka, because I think some people are maybe a bit wondering about him after the first two game weeks. And for me, I'm thinking about going for a second eight million midfielder in game week three. And then it would be a choice between Saka and Mount. And I see many people complaining about Mount as well. But I saw the Chelsea game and I think he wasn't that bad, actually. He was very involved, at least much more than in game week one. And maybe he could be a differential for me, uh, something I still need to think about. <laughs> So I have a question. Have you watched the Arsenal game too? Maybe
1: it will make it easier for you to decide between Saka and Mount.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I did watch it, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, I was at the same time as the City game, so I was a bit switching between the two. Um, Yeah, I mean, Jesus looked really strong, right? I mean, he he made some great goals and he was very dangerous. Um, Saka... Didn't look that dangerous, so that's why I'm not considering him but since you mentioned him and I think you know Many people had Saka in their team, but a popular move is to go from Saka to Martinelli Mm -hmm. Um, But having both Martinelli and Saka could also be interesting. So that was just something I was thinking
1: Yeah, Yeah,
0: I think the optimal team now has both Martinelli and Saka
1: and Jesus and forward so triple Arsenal Okay,
0: okay, yeah All right that's good. Um, so yeah, let's move on to the next question, and it's it's a question that I have, but also some people ask us on Twitter, mm-hmm. and it's related to the Liverpool defense. Um, I think many of us have a double up for Liverpool in the defense, which could either be Trent plus Allison, or maybe Trent plus Robbo, or maybe even Trent plus Van Dijk. Uh, so should we keep the faith in them, or is it time to move funds elsewhere? A uh, few people on Twitter had the same question. Uh, mm-hmm. FBL Patrick asking Robertson question mark. Uh, Pascal is asking, is it worth keeping the double pool defense? And uh, Mohamed Nabil is saying, is it too early to drop Trent? Even okay, mm-hmm. that's also interesting. Yeah. So yeah, personally, I have Trent and Robo, and I'm strongly considering to sell Robo. As I have, yeah, I have fourteen and a half million invested in two Liverpool defenders. So that's a lot of money. And it seems the defense is not so reliable as it used to be. Um, so yeah, it's for me, not so much about Robo, because I think I also saw people saying that he didn't do too badly yesterday. He was coming in, you know he was in the right positions. But, yeah, if the Liverpool defense is not reliable due to injuries, then I wonder if I should um, have so much money invested there. Um, So yeah, it's a difficult one because also on the other hand, the upcoming fixtures are quite good and Joe Gomez might be fit for the next game week. But overall, I'm not too optimistic. And I was wondering if you have any recommendations on that based on the data.
1: So yeah, Liverpool's defense seems to be struggling and also hopefully model will reflect those two projected points uh, soon. But I was checking Robertson's expected points just because of this question. And it dropped a bit today and also yesterday, which is unfortunate for the owners. His minutes yeah. also seems to drop from high 80s to high 70s now. And right. maybe because Tsimikas has played in the last uh, game week? Yeah, yeah. Not sure.
0: uh, I think it, it surprised many people that, uh, that that swap happened. And I think many people are also not sure why Robo had to, uh, to leave the pitch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, some yeah. doubts over that.
1: Yeah, so to answer that question, I actually checked the analytics league we have and I saw Luke. It is FFScott underscore Luke on Twitter. He has Robertson and also has two free transfers. So, he seemed like an ideal uh, team to check. So, and I put it into my solver. And so, the solver's first suggestion is to sell Robertson. And also Neto to get Luis Diaz and Kukurea. And so, so this kind of matches with our expectation because Liverpool's, well, defense seems shaky a little bit and projected points were all, projected points were higher for Diaz compared to Robertson at the beginning of the season, if I remember correctly, but it was very close. I think there is, it is more visible now. But it's also because Darwin is booked for the next game week. So Diaz is, well, optimal so that Solver sells Robertson to fund him or, you know, open open a spot in his team. I mean, if you have double Liverpool defense, yeah, it might be good to sell at least one of them probably. If you have two free transfers, but if you have one, Solver probably wouldn't do it. And I also compared you know, what's the difference if I keep Robertson in Luke's team? So, if I, if it sells, I get an objective score of 273. And if I force keep him, I get 271.3. So, it's around 1.7 points in DK objective. And roughly 4 points in lineup points. So, not a big difference, to be honest. So, it's not enough to pull the trigger. But if you are already thinking about it and have two free transfers, yeah, it might be nice.
0: Yeah, yeah, I do have the two free transfers. Um, and it's interesting that Diaz is coming up again because I didn't think he was that good yesterday in the Liverpool game. Besides, of course, his goal, which was a beauty. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not too confident about that either. Uh, I think I'll probably want to wait to see how the Man United-Liverpool game uh, goes, which will be an interesting one. All right, well, as we were talking about the options in the defense with the Robo discussion, uh, I saw the game between Forrest and West Ham and uh, Nico Williams looked really good. He's He still only costs $4 million. Uh, do you have any data on him? I would be interested in that to see if, if you think or if the data says that he's a viable option. And, you know, I mean, not just for the bench, but to actually play him. And we had a question on this as well on Twitter from Tom. And Tom was saying, uh, who's the best fifth defender if in the 4.5 million to 5.5 million category? Are we Or are we better just dropping to the 4 million Williams and spreading the funds? So yeah, I think it's a good one to look at, the lower price bracket. Um, and I think we can also consider some options there from Brighton and Brentford as they have some good fixtures uh, coming up. And, and they have looked quite uh, reliable in the, in the past two game weeks. So, yeah, what recommendations can you give us for that lower price range?
1: Yeah, I think Nico Williams is a good choice, too. Mm -hmm. I'm
0: not saying because I have him, but...
1: Ah, okay. (laughs) I I will talk about these players in their price order. So, best in this range is Walker with 5.1 million price and a total of 22 points predicted for the next six game weeks. And, I mean, if you are at... 5 million or if you don't have a spot for an, another city player Korea gives 21.7 points so very close almost the same for 5 million and it might be a better option for many people too and Dunk is best at 4.5 with 20 points and Williams is at 14.5 with 4 million in price so there's a big jump from 20 to 14.5 almost you are losing six points but the thing is if you are going to make him play every game week if not he's a really good option because he has two good fixtures in in, until the you know game week nine the wildcard time Uh, so he is playing against Bournemouth on game week six and he's Predicted points for that game week is 3.6 currently and it will go slightly higher since you know minutes are usually um, decayed a little bit just to uh, include the chance of getting injured and all of that and his fixture in game week 8 is against Fulham and for that fixture is his predicted points is 3.15. So he obviously has some other games in between like Manchester City in Game Week 5. So it depends if you are going to keep him as a bench player and then occasionally will play him for those two good fixtures. Williams is better. If not, then if you need a defender that can play, either Dunk or Kukurey are other good options. I can't think about Uh, it.
0: Okay, good. Good points, and uh, I think yeah, probably a lot of names were mentioned that people already have on their minds. So it's good to have some data about it. Okay, well that was the defense. Let's move on to the midfield. Um, also there, let's say in, in the lower price range, many managers went with Bailey and or Nato as as the cheap options. Um, and of course, knowing that price tag, we shouldn't expect too much uh, of them. But yeah, after two blanks and with Bailey also being benched in game week two, there are now plenty of people looking at alternative options. Uh, I'm actually in that group as well, even though it might not be my most urgent issue to solve. So again, we had a few questions. For example, from Patrick AG22, should we stick with Neto for the foreseeable future? He's asking, or should we move on? And who are the best replacements? Also, a question from FPL Don Rob. For the best Bailey replacements. And he says that some models have grey popping up, and he wonder why he wonders why that is. And the FPL beer drinker is also asking about Bailey replacements. So do you have any data on this top, Meaning the midfielders in let's say yeah, the five million price range, four point five to five point five. And also, would you actually recommend using a transfer here in this area? Yeah, it's
1: it a- Tough question. And Gray is popping up in Solvers. I saw that too. Uh, by the way, yeah. I agree to Rob. His total points for the next six game weeks uh, compared to Neto is only 1.4 points higher. But there's also a significant difference for this game week especially. Because majority of that difference is coming from this game week's fixture. Because Neto is playing again against Tottenham with 2.6 projected points. Gray is playing against Nottingham Forest with 4.4. So... People or solvers are suggesting Gray just to get him for this game week. <laughs> and then his future game weeks are not that bad. He's playing Brantford and Leeds after that. Not you know bad fixtures but his exp- expected points after that is quite low. Um, Mac Allister uh, from Brighton is another player that pops up in the solver. He's more of a mid-term pick though compared to Gray being a short-term pick. Uh, because he's playing against Leeds at home in gaming 4 with 3.6 uh, predicted points. And I'm in the same boat by the way. I, I have Neto and Solar wants to sell Neto. But you have one free transfer The optimal thing to do is to roll it. Unfortunately. <laughs> and then hoping that Neto can maybe get something out of that tough fixture. Um, for Bailey. Oh it's hard to find a replacement. You can downgrade him to andreas or if you already have him and that's good too but if you don't you can downgrade him to andreas at 4.5 and then hopefully that extra fund you can use it to upgrade uh, another player but yeah it's a little bit difficult for his owners because his minutes drop sharply too
0: yeah he was on the bench which of course isn't great um yeah you mentioned andreas from from fulham i think he picked up a slight injury so that's something oh, we okay. need to monitor um, I also like Dewsbury Hall uh, from Leicester because he's mm-hmm. playing against Southampton this week. So again, for a one-week punt, and you know, unlike Bailey, he's he's nailed. He was he was last year already, and he mm-hmm. started quite well uh, the season. So that could be maybe another option at at five million, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, perfect. So we covered the defense, and we also covered the midfield options. So let's move to the attack. And as mentioned before, we seem to have many options there this season. And also in different price ranges, we have, of course, Kane and Haaland as the premium options. We have Jesus at uh, the very attractive eight million prize at Arsenal. Uh, but there's also Tony, Wilson, Mitrovic, Welbeck and maybe even others. Uh, and normally, of course, I would have mentioned Darwin as well. But after his red card, he'll probably miss a few games now. So, yeah, what is the data telling us there? What are some of the standout options?
1: so it's funny because i was testing on sunday and solver wants to buy darwin in the future game no, weeks not this one yeah. but in, in a game week or two but
0: now that <laughs> darwin is out yeah. um yeah it's funny but i saw uh, some number that i don't what was it i think it was like 75k people already made the transfer before the game oh really well, oh maybe that was too stuff. much but in any case many people made a transfer already and, and now yeah now you got the red card
1: yeah, early transfers are uh, transfers are always yeah. risky, and yeah, for the top options, I mean the usual suspects, as you have mentioned, Holland, Kane, and Jesus have the highest predicted points over 16 mm-hmm. weeks. It is thirty-five point five for Holland, thirty-five point zero for Kane, and twenty-nine point four for Jesus. And so the next option is Tony. Uh, in term, I'm I sorted these by the total points, by the way, so. Tony is at 7.1 million and his total predicted points is only roughly 5 points lower than Jesus but still a good option but yeah even a a more interesting option is Mitrovic as we have mentioned because his price is 6.6 and total points is 23.2 so it's only 1.5 points less than Tony but 0.5 cheaper too so And I saw his name in the optimal wildcard team, too. So I think Solvord likes to have Mitrovic and then use that extra budget for, you know, upgrading another player. Uh, So, yeah,
0: these are the top
1: forward options, but...
0: uh, Yeah, and it's funny how we can change our minds so fast, right? Because at the start of the season, we said, oh, don't touch Mitrovic, and we remembered his previous (laughs) Premier League season. And now after two game weeks, he... uh, Uh, He scored a few goals and and he impressed us. So many people are thinking about him. All right, well, plenty of names to consider. And um, as we talked about so many different names and options which are emerging from the data, uh, one thought could be to go for an early wildcard. And for those managers who had a slow start, you know, it could be an option. And we covered the wildcard topic in previous episodes, but I think it's still a hot topic. I see a lot of people asking about it. Uh, We did get some questions again on this as well on Twitter, for example, from Marcus FPL, who's asking um, what time, you know, what's the best time to wildcard based on the data? Mm -hmm. Uh, So again, from your perspective, Sir Top, based on data and analytics, when when would it be a good time, you think?
1: So when I have tested this idea earlier, I saw that values are very close. So there's no meaningful difference between wildcarding and let's say eight nine ten so those are are all very close so if you don't want to think too much about it game week nine is the ideal time because of the international break and it will give you plenty of time for tinkering there are some less than ideal game weeks where matches take place in midweek so I mean my recommendation would be staying away from those because well especially if you are Planning to go with a data or analytics-focused team this time. It takes a little bit of time to find the the optimal that you you enjoy. So game week seven to eleven are ideal from that perspective because all of those game weeks are at least six days apart from each other, and with the game week nine uh, in- being the international break, it's two weeks, and so. But if you are just asking, you know, what's the optimal, like, even among these options, Game Week 10 was giving me the best objective score. But currently when I'm planning, I always use Game Week 9. So my plan is this. So I will try to use this in mind. I will try to use Game Week 9 as if I'm going to wildcard at that time. But if my team looks okay, I will try to delay it one or two Game Weeks. But again... As you mentioned, if your team is in a bad shape, if it is far away from, you know, what the optimal teams look like, then you can consider using it early because there is no point in waiting this season because we will get free transfers no. in game week 17 anyway.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to mention that. So that's a good point. I think, yeah, yeah be careful to wait too long. That's probably the advice. <laughs> All right. There was one other question we received on Twitter, which I also found interesting. It was from a Dark FPL. Um, and he's you know he's saying that many managers now have a similar team. Let's call it the template team. And as a result, of course, we also see many people with, with a similar score. So yeah, Dark FPL is asking, if, if your goal is to win it, to finish uh, number one in OR, then isn't it better to choose a few higher variance picks? Um, and another way to, to look at it, should we be penalizing uh, ownership in our models? Um, And again, we talked about this before as well and if I remember correctly, uh, your recommended strategy was to stay close to the field at the start of the season and only consider differentials later on, uh, right? So, yeah, does it mean that you'll be also then using your solver differently at different stages during the season?
1: So yes, we use, uh, at least I use my solver differently at different stages during the season. And you remember uh, correctly. So so the optimal is usually going with the highest expected value. Not even considering ownership at any point. And then if, as you get closer to the end, if you are leading, then you can go with the safer options. If you are trading, you can go with the risky players to catch up. So obviously, if you are behind, if you go with the risky players, there's a chance that you will go even lower, but that's kind of a trade-off. So you can either try to win FPL by taking, you know, risk, having the risky players, or maybe you can bet against some of the highly owned players. For example, you you can say, okay, I won't have Holland, or maybe I won't have Salah because if they blank with that extra budget, with the players I have, better players you have, you can maybe get in front of the field. And it happens all the time, so there is a slight difference between objectives of trying to win f b l and trying to get a really good rank so because you can stay with the field for the most part, and if you are you know choosing your picks you know roughly same as everyone else is doing and not making any clear mistakes, you can probably get a good finish, but if you are taking risks, I mean you should be also You know, prepare to lose lots of ranks and then find yourself in millions, probably. So, yes, if you want to take risk, you can penalize popular players based on the ownership and then go for the high expected value, lower effective ownership options. Yeah, that makes sense. But at the beginning of the season, we really don't know what will happen. So if you go with the higher expected value players, for example, I got Martinelli. And then he got, he went and scored a goal, which took me in front of lots of players. So in this way I didn't have to take a big risk and I was able to, you know, get ahead of the field. So but as time goes forward, if I find myself, you know uh falling behind everyone else, then yeah, it's probably right. time
0: to go with the risk options. To choose some other players, yeah. All right, great. Well, we've covered many topics again, and thanks everyone for sending in your questions. It was really helpful and it was also interesting today uh, to use this here in the flow of our podcast. And I think it gives us some clear ideas about what we can do for game week three. Uh, I have to spend some time on it myself, as I mentioned. I think overall the team still looks quite good. So maybe it's just best to stay patient and do nothing, which is often the most difficult thing to do. But, uh, yeah, I think the main thing for me is to see what I'll need to do with with Robo as my main headache. Um, You know, keep the fate or move funds elsewhere. And, of course, can I keep risking to not own Jesus? That's another question. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I'm worried that he will hurt me if I don't own him. But on the other hand, I also don't really like to just follow the field. I, I like to, you know, find different options. But, okay, I still have a few days left. So do all of us. Uh, How is it for you, Surtop? Do you still face any dilemmas for Game Week 3?
1: I will be rolling my free transfer, most probably. So hopefully it goes well with that. My team is not the best in terms of single Game Week points, as Kane has higher expected points, uh, Mm -hmm. and Neto is not ideal to have in the team. But rolling might give me more options next Game Week, so that's why I will be rolling. But I need to decide who I want to bench, Andreas or Neto there, Projected points are very close, so I need to probably check if there's any injury issue. with. uh, Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, good luck with that decision. And uh, we'll wrap it up here. Good luck, everyone else, as well, with your decisions for Game Week 3. We hope everyone can enjoy Green Arrows during the weekend. And it would be great if some of the insights from our pod helped you to achieve those. So thanks again for listening to our podcast. Questions, comments, or reviews are always welcome. You can subscribe to our podcast so you'll get notified when the next episode comes out. Or follow us on Twitter. For Surtop, it's at Bilal, And for me, it's at BelfiBB. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.